0: Hi everybody and welcome to episode 4 of Journey Through Grail Island. My name is Zig, and joining me is... Sarah Barry Emma Today we're going to be talking about PWG's fifth show, An Inch Longer Than Average, which took place on the 15th of November 2003 and came from the Westside Jewish Community Centre. Excalibur and Disco Machine, uh, without Super Dragon this time, returned to the commentary booth and did not partake in the lucha drinking game this time around. As they were told, uh, deliver damage from the <laughs> last show was too severe. So they're on the waters. Our opening match was a six-man tag between the Ballard family, Shane, Shannon and Top Gun against Mr. Basharelli Chris Bosch, Lil Cholo and Pinoy boy, TJ Perkins.
1: Yeah, war coming in pumped up again numerous references to his uh, new diet of supplements <laughs> and how he's getting bigger and he yells into the camera take your pants off take yes, your pants i off. liked that and he started doing the press-ups with the claps that yes. was actually very impressive
2: <laughs> did you
0: take
1: your pants off yes well they were already off
2: i like that he enthused the camera person to take his pants off on the way to and from the <laughs> ring so it was bookending the match so he was really adamant about it well he, he didn't take his pants off that's right <laughs>
3: Chris Bosch comes out and says directly to the camera, am I looking sexy as usual? So a lot of people speaking to either the cameraman or the masses out there watching these PWG DVDs.
1: I felt sorry for Chris Bosch because he came out full of self-esteem, asking, you know, do I look sexy? And for commentary to just say, f- no, frankly, he's gotten fat. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Excalibur does not like Chris Bosh.
3: It's very evident. Like, it's... It's not very fair.
0: The match itself wasn't uh... Too much to write home about?
3: I thought it was a fun opener, except for the boring ballads again.
0: They're so bad.
3: Oh my god, the commentator was laughing at them. Yeah. Doing some of these moves. Like, it looked dangerous. Like, Top Gun to Tower goes into the danger zone, and with the ballards it's, it's definitely true.
2: I liked Cholo a lot in this he match. He was really good. I thought I, he was yeah. good.
0: One thing he did was
2: kept referencing 187, so that confused me. Like, <laughs> Is this homicide? <laughs> I like his little uh, he, like, he charged into the corner he rolled back kipped off, and then in one he sort of one smooth moment did like a belly to belly to one of the ballads out of the corner really really good stuff oh the
1: belly to belly was really
0: good
2: yeah enjoyed, enjoyed him quite a lot in this match did
1: one of the ballards fuck up his kip up
0: yeah um, yeah his yeah. very first one yeah because yeah, they tried to do like the you know the stand oh and yes. he couldn't get up
2: yeah nothing worse in wrestling than when someone messes up a kip up because yeah. it's such a it's just a show offy thing and when you do it wrong it's just it's embarrassing Definitely was one of those, you know
0: when a heel is yeah. like not fit enough to do it, so it's funny Yeah, like he tried his best.
2: It's not like the young bucks, in, in, in years in the future, they do the trip over the rope thing with their heels, the deliberate I made a fool of myself stick, you know, I, I don't think it was quite that... Uh, Meta from the ba- the Ballard Brothers.
3: Did anyone notice how they were talking about they have a reach-out promotion thing for hobos during this match? How they kept talking about the hobo who got hit by the car? Yeah. And then if you collect enough glass... 70 pounds of glass, yeah, I think they say. said. 30, 30 kilos. kilos. <laughs> that was something. I'm like, where did this come from? is there actually hobos there or are they just ragging on some people in the
2: crowd they were ragging on someone i think it was the crowd you know everyone's fair game i guess for for excalibur and disco
3: it's great to see them though having a program though for, for these people
1: yeah then tower gets the pin um deserved yeah for carrying his team
0: via the danger zone
2: pins just cholo though Rock lost. <laughs> <laughs> CJP was fairly quiet in this. I don't remember him actually doing anything in it. I know. I noticed one thing he did, because it's a spot that's kind of very in vogue today, which is he did the Northern Lights where you float back over and then pick them up for... A, he did a Fisherman Buster, which is, like, that's the thing like, Ricochet does to this day. So, I was like, that seemed like it was kind of a head of its side. But, yeah, other than that, he was kind of just a body in there. You
3: know it's bad when you don't really have much of a focus when the Ballard Brothers are in the sand. <laughs> yeah. When it comes
0: to... Talawarra is there. The eyes yes. are instantly drawn to such a behemoth of a man.
3: I think he's a great man for the opening matches because him coming out and just going, take your pants off even. we <laughs> are like, yeah, I'm into this. That's going to be an explanation. I will. Like, yeah.
0: Our second match is the return on mdog 20 against the belated debut of Jardy France. Jardy was meant to be
2: on the debut show. But then he got high. For reference, Jardy is... An extremely white little boy. With dreads. Uh, with dreads.
1: He looks like, um, you know, Brecken Meyer in Clueless. He puts Travis, yes. the skater, stoner dude. I think he looks exactly like him.
2: And he's shite. Is that fair to say? <laughs> he wasn't great. Yeah. No, he wasn't. What was, he was also, to complete the conversation about his look, he was, also, he was wrestling in a shirt, which is always great a shirt that was about three or four times too big for him like it was super baggy it was so baggy it that was, was the style of the time was it? yeah one of them was <laughs> like yeah. a skater they wore like big t-shirts Just, was, like, he looked okay. very of the time of the and time okay. completely yeah. like fair that. enough yeah. okay but he did, he did. it made him, But it him because he looked like he was obviously not a very big guy it made him look even kind of shrimpier like swimming around in this shirt yeah, what a what a debut performance this was
3: <laughs> talking about how M-Dog is straight edge obviously against Jerry Franz, who obviously likes you know the green, and they're saying that if you go to the ruler factory and get a fresh ruler it would not be as straight as, as, as M-Dog which I thought was really really funny considering then later on in the match he does like this flagpole maneuver and I'm like geez he's pretty good at keeping himself up there with yeah. the like flagpole straight
2: yeah. AF. The highlight of the match for me was when they went for what I guess was supposed to be a top rope German suplex.
1: M-Dog's I suppose gonna jump from the top rope but he slips so Jordi tries to salvage it, goes up and goes to give him a German, but instead M Dog just flips. Yeah. But lands as if he's been given a German, and it's just an absolute mess.
2: Yeah, I, co- I co- couldn't quite tell. Like, was what was the the communication issue? I love that, that M Dog just committed to it. Basically, he's like, "Well, I'm going to do this." Split commentators were howling at this this question mark of a move. M Dog goes for a Fuzzberry flop, and he literally
0: flops because. <laughs> Jardy does not catch him at all and he lands directly on his face and like comically so he looks like like a depressed cartoon like his face is that flat to the ground. I don't know how he didn't break his nose and both his cheeks.
3: So because I actually wasn't familiar with Jardy France before this match. What? I decided to look at How could you not be? Well I don't watch Stoner University which is the company he most recently wrestled for. And
0: do you know who the two trainers are? It can't be Cheech and Claire. I was good at yeah, that's, that's too, too obvious. That's obvious.
3: Listen to these names. Rick Scott Stoner nice. and Scott
1: Rick Stoner. The hood slam.
3: They
2: they come out they look like Rick Snyder and they come out with big fat blonds during their entrance. Yeah. These are known people. Well, not known, known, but they do they do hood slam which is which is like a socal kind of how to even describe it. I mean, it's it's a very, it's a very they don't run very a often. It, it's kind of a juggle, I think, very self contained. I don't think those guys do a lot of stuff Paul elsewhere. London does a lot I, of work is, I think AR Fox has been there a couple of times and they do very, very comedy, very character centric kind of stuff.
3: I was howling when I read this. I was... And
2: how recently has he wrestled? Uh,
3: last year. Oh, wow. wow. I hope he's better. I think it's really the low point on this card.
2: Jardy is at least amusingly bad, you know I had some fun watching this match because the commenta- the commentators during the German suplex spot were that was I think the most vocal they were for the whole thing they were recording this in the small hours I think after the main event they said they were wrapping up commentary around 5am but at least that seemed to wake them up and amuse them so I-, I thought it was funny in that regard but it was definitely bell to bell the, the weakest thing of the show
1: there was also a moment Excalibur tries to set up a joke but completely loses it and then loses all sense of talking so Disco starts doing play by play, which sounds really <laughs> weird, but he's actually like
0: he can do it. <laughs> he took it really seriously, yeah. it was very unusual. Yeah. yeah. So M Dog gets the win here with the shooting star press. Those two were the only real dud matches mm. on the show. I feel it sort of like kicks into gear now with our third match, which is X Foundation, Scott Lost and Funky Billy Kim against Team Cheese Mode themselves, Excalibur and Disco Machine.
1: So before everyone starts doing their entrances, I noticed that beside the entrance, Johnny Paradise <laughs> is sitting there, camera in hand, which is funny because none of his angles were being used. So he was filming the entrances and do you know, Winwood was beside him. So I lost my shit. I was like, Johnny's back, he's back. But I wonder, was he filming for his own collection? I think he's a voyeur? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, just delighted to see Johnny back. Now that I know he's in the background I know I won't be watching the matches anymore. I'll be looking for paradise. I'm done. Well
0: she'll be back next month for (laughs) pimping in high places. (laughs) So Barry what did you think of this match? Well
2: I also had a non-wrestling pre-match observation. So Sarah what did you think (laughs) of (laughs) this match? I, I like this as we discussed I think on the debut show that my sense of humour still kind of lined up with Excalibur's a little bit because as he came out for this next match he was angrily pointing at Scott Loss but for some reason he was doing the shocker hand gesture at him and I was kind of laughing to myself saying well I doubt he'll acknowledge that or if he even knew what he was doing and then he said on commentary that he was threatening Scott Loss with the shocker which is the uh, the two fi- this is what's you hold the ring finger down is that correct? Two in um, the pink, one, two in the the pink stink, one in the stink as the Steel Panther, as their song goes. So. so uh,
3: we get. Sorry, will I just start getting into
2: that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, yes Sarah. If you have a preamble, yeah. please work away.
3: Um, I do actually have a preamble. <laughs> Go for it, Sarah. If you do. You do. Because I just thought it was really funny. I. This is what I first noticed it when they were bringing up. The nicknames and then the real names for like the title cards for people so they bring up like Funky Billy Kim but they brought up FBK. <laughs> Funky's his first name. <laughs> <laughs> like Funky Kong.
2: Yeah. yeah.
3: Excadimer says it but during the match they go in and they talk about how I think we've noticed as well that Funky Billy Kim He's changed a lot since the first show and they're talking about how he's put more mass on. And usually when people put more mass on, they get less funky. But no, 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 not our Billy Kim. He has stayed funky as ever. In fact, he might even be getting more funky. So yes, I made that clear.
0: I also have a preamble. <laughs> 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 At the start of the Match, for some reason, Excalibur draws to the behind that Disco got blown by a black girl. Yes.
1: Yeah. Disco danced too hard and he had to be restrained and Excalibur Excalibur tried to restrain him and said I was trying to stop you you were getting blown and I think he said I'm always getting blown and then Excalibur just said you were blown by a black girl
0: and it was definitely true by the way Disco reacted <laughs> <laughs> okay the match about Excalibur's ass issues he doesn't think
1: he has a
3: nice ass
2: oh he had a complex did he? Had yeah nice he got ass. really sad that
3: his ass doesn't look good relatable sad face
2: so I have a question: Why, why, and how was Chris Bosch referee of this match?
1: Because there was no referee.
2: So he just he, a classic wrestling rule: if he put on the shirts, and that made him the ref.
1: Well, because he has heat with Team Cheese Mo so it kind of.
2: They were getting their comeuppance for attacking yeah. them last show, I guess. I suppose, yeah. I just, you know, I, suppose I could have done with Paul T coming out and making it official. Hey, you know,
1: he
3: got his ref license from PWGU,
2: which I like because Excalibur started making that joke, and then he just straight up said, "I don't think this bid is working," so he stopped <laughs> it. <laughs> There isn't
1: um, much to say. Um, Disco Machine takes a bump, which surprises them so much on commentary. <laughs> <that he loses. laughs> okay, we have lost the sake. <laughs> I just love some commentary. Yeah, own matches. yeah. I, I, um, it's
2: all commentary notes from me here. It's just so funny. And and I know-
1: yeah, Excalibur does a great lariat. People are on their feet. That's all I remember from the match. Yeah,
0: like the, the best thing is the commentary because all they do is point out their own flaws,
2: and it's just so <laughs> funny to to hear and uh, talked about wanting to book Lexington Steel for a future PWG show. About five minutes talking about that.
0: Mr. Marcus because Lexington Steel as like a tag team that no one would ever beat. Because how could you compete with that? Then also that the ring rope was made of their
2: penises. You <laughs> <laughs> don't remember that. <laughs> I actually
3: really liked the
0: match.
2: It was a no right. surprise
3: for me. Well I just thought that um, Scott Lawson and Scalibur had really good chemistry, like their bits flowed really well, like the rest of the match was, you know, just a standard tag match. It kind of just made you want a bit more, I think, more build for this big feud that they had going on and and Bosch getting involved was, oh my god.
2: Yeah, the two of you are giggling like school children there.
3: (laughs) We're (laughs) keeping
0: (laughs) it, I might just have to say say the part first just to get out of the way. Right,
3: say your bit. Um.
0: Better be fucking Yeah. <laughs> After the match, like they have their confrontation. They obviously set up a match for the next show. And Scalabra gets on the mic and he's going back and forth. And he goes, tonight was nothing compared to the deep dicking you're going to get in December. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know why, but I lost it And he said that. There's just something so funny with the term deep dicking.
3: Of course, uh, a humor is stuck in thousand it yeah. he has
0: been wanting to get this bit out for a good five minutes now oh they set up bosh against excalibur hair versus hair yeah, yeah.
1: so is that excalibur's little tassels mask
0: ropes it must be because they specifically yeah. <laughs> said hair versus hair hmm. like they seem to not want to reference the fact he's in a mask which is very odd but that is another thing when i was thinking about them doing commentary he's in the mask like in yeah, my head he's yeah. sitting there in the mask when he's in when work, he's, he's in the mask.
3: So Excalibur wins with the Tiger Driver 98 and that is it. No, no
0: he doesn't so win. Excalibur doesn't win. Does well, oh, no, it? No. Chris Bosch is the uh, well, oh, Jesus, why did I... um He does hit it and Bosch pretends to be distracted. Right. Excalibur
3: should have won with the Tiger Driver 98 but doesn't because of shenanigans with Chris Bosch. And Excalibur gets really animated on commentary and like, like that. Fucker, like I was, that that was the win, but no terrible refereeing. But Chris Bosch wasn't a very good one. I, I I have doubts about his refereeing license. Too, to be <laughs> quite honest, he wasn't very good at keeping people out of the ring, and um, you know matches, things going on, double teams, and him not even interfering. No five counts, no ten counts, and um, then
0: and PWGU is accredited. Yes. They did confirm that.
3: Scott Scott is the fucking professor, so of yeah. course. I have doubts about his credentials, too. But in the end, X Foundation win, sets up the match, there's gonna be some dicking on the next show Things are excited about, it could be deep, who knows, and that's really
0: it. Continuing the X Foundation Team Cheezmo feud, we have our first ever Guerrilla Warfare match, the technical wizard Joey Ryan against the Super Dragon. Super Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> when Joey Ryan comes out, I'm pretty sure that is again Mr. Excitement in the crowd holding
2: a Hillary Duff calendar. Was oh. that him? I was distracted by the fact that it was a Hillary Duff calendar. I really like it, and a, I think that's their in joke. Thing.
1: No, well, uh, that's a Joey Ryan thing. His obsession with Hillary Duff is a long-standing
2: okay. thing. He
1: even named he named like a move after her. No, that's okay.
2: A... They're gonna say a kid. Yeah. The commentator <laughs> <laughs> that would have been weird. Been the <laughs> commentator, <laughs> the commentators called her Joey's kryptonite as well at one point. So, but
1: then they also said, "What's his biggest weakness? Men." <laughs>
2: <laughs> so Joey Ryan enters first,
0: and then they do this great bit where it's like Super Dragon comes out, yeah. and Excalibur's holding him back because mm. he wants to kill Joey Ryan, and Joey goes out to confront Super Dragon, hits him with a forearm. Then all of a sudden, the real Super
2: Dragon appears behind him. Um, I was confused watching this because the Disco reference on commentary that he was the fake dragon yeah. he was yes. but, but the way he, he moved so stiff I thought it was like a, a mannequin or something <laughs> with a super <laughs> dragon outfit on it because he fell really woodenly to the ground I was like that's not a person I thought Excalibur was just like oh shaking a, a, a crash test what? dummy with a robe on it like it's
3: fucking home alone <laughs>
2: Kind of, yeah. Or like when Homer Simpson faked his death by throwing that (laughs) dummy down the the waterfall.
3: I I think this is the first time watching any of these shows that I actually popped for something. i I like jumping off my seat because I'm not the type to really do that. But this really got me going and I think really set the tone for the match. It was a great start.
2: And then as they, as they brawled back to the to the ring, dragging through Joey into the post, and the commentator said, you're not supposed to run into the post, you stupid idiot. <laughs> i Joey Ryan. Once they get back to the ring,
0: uh, Joey eventually gets the upper hand. And Excalibur, on commentary, is talking about uh, the knee injury that I think you've referenced before, Emma. Yes. That nearly ended Super Dragon's career. And Excalibur goes, which, of course, is why Joey is working the arm. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I did like though early on that, that Joey was like grappling with him Which I, at first I was like that's a bit silly in a Gorilla warfare match But they were doing a thing where like Dragon was like reaching for chairs and stuff And Ryan being the technical wizard was trying to like control his body So that he couldn't reach weapons And, and that was that was a nice little touch Because every time Dragon got a hold of a weapon He he was full on Super Dragon He was just so vicious He was throwing chairs He was throwing them at his legs He was flinging them overhead Not paying attention to where they were going It was a great wild Super Dragon performance I thought
0: like I sort of think of like Super Dragon if you're thinking of a Timothy Thatcher in a shoot style match where everything he does makes sense if you leave your arm out he'll go for that arm whereas when Super Dragon's in a match like this he's doing what you do in a fight if the chair was there you'd just fuck it at him Yeah. you know you, if you had something to hit him with it you'd just hit him with it he's a shoot style yeah. garbage brawler. Yeah. yeah it's like garbage A garbage match yeah Okay. Like hardcore okay
2: sorry okay. <laughs> <laughs> but- <laughs> But even cause there was a thing. Sorry, I thought you left after the last <laughs> match.
1: <laughs> super dragons here.
2: <laughs> there was a great violence party with a chair, which I really enjoyed, and that was quickly followed up by what I could only describe as a Benoit chair shot, which was the, the suicide dive into the chair. When you nail it, it always looks super impressive, and they nailed it here.
1: And we see, I think, the debut of Angry Fan? Yes, it was. They reference
3: it and come
1: Angry Fan. So, Angry Fan is a PWG staple and a legend really which they actually talk about him a bit they give a bit more input later on in the show which I didn't realize I thought he was angry fan because he always just shouted at wrestlers and he was very angry he did say you suck Joey etc but apparently he would go up to promoters and shout at them and just get angry so he was possibly known as angry fan more by the wrestlers than anyone else
2: there was one actually really, really clever spot. It was another one that I looked at and I said, that's a bit silly and you really thought about it. Joey's going for a Northern Lights and Dragon throws a chair down so he basically takes to move on to a chair. But of being a Northern Lights, Joey hits his head on the chair when he does the bridge, which is actually really clever. And commentary to their credit actually acknowledged that that was the, the thought process behind the move.
3: Later on, they're so defeated and broken that Joey actually struggles to get tables into the ring. And he's trying to get the tables in with the legs down. Commentary like Joey, you dumb fuck, what are you doing? Like trying to find like Nox has to help, and the cameramen have to help Joey get it in the ring. I know it's dumb, but I think it also plays into the fact that he's just so desperate to just get this match done and just defeat Super Dragon and get him out of the way
1: that I actually don't really mind it. It kind of played into it. They were kind of so beat up that it was actually quite hard to watch. Then, after I think towards the end, I felt like it went on a bit too long because. Joey couldn't move really
0: it was half an hour long yeah it was quite a long match
2: which I kind of think of as qualifier for the difference between like Guerrilla Warfare and just no DQ matches I think these all I suppose we'll see as we see them more and more in in the next few months I think they're usually quite long they're never really just a little 10 minute no DQ thing they're usually quite long really like escalated amounts of violence like this one culminated with moves being done on like horizontal guardrails and stuff like that like I do think of them as kind of They're always kind of hardcore epics
3: the fact that like the placement on this card it was halfway through we still had so much left to come and Mm. some pretty big names and and big matches that i think jesus like if i'm just imagining me being there in the crowd i would have been like even watching this i took a break afterwards because i was so mentally spent imagine being there and having to go off for a 15 minute intermission like
0: they set up this weird table contraption where there was a table on the turnbuckle for them to stand on, but also a table in the ring, and Joey and Super Dragon are both up there. And Joey hits Dragon with the swing and net neck breaker like he did to the floor in the tournament, but the table doesn't break and the two of them just bounce off and it looks like the sorest thing.
3: And then commentary are building up to the, the Garradrail spot at the end, they're saying, watch out for Joey Ryan's fingers.
0: Dragon gives Joey a cent on through the table, goes to pin him, lifts his head up and he's like, I'm not done with you. Goes out, gets a guardrail, brings it into the ring. Gives him a supernatural driver through the guardrail. Joey kicks out. So he builds another contraption where he takes the ladder down, puts the guardrail on top of it. But as he's putting the guardrail down on top of the ladder, he drops it and drops it right on Joey's finger. And you can see Joey take his hand away straight away. Like that's not selling. And then he gives him the psycho driver through this deathly contraption and pins him.
1: Through a table chair, ladder, guardrail. But then it always makes me laugh. So Excalibur and Disco Machine come out, but Disco's just wearing pants and his mask. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like he goes puts on his street clothes, but also his mask. Which he doesn't even wear when he wrestles.
0: I didn't even count that no,
1: because he it. does it again later he comes out in full tracksuit and his mask <laughs> it's like we know what you look like Disco
0: that's like in, do you remember um, like Here Comes the Pain or something like that Yeah. where you could set up your character to have entrance wear yeah. and ring wear yeah. so that's Disco's entrance wear and unless he's getting in the ring to wrestle that mask can't come off yeah. Yeah.
3: I think for a first run of warfare it was pretty
0: good it might have felt a bit too long but it was gripping as well like you, you were glued to it
3: it built for a company to have a match like that where some, it builds and builds. I think even to this day big companies are lacking that sort of thing in some of their matches. So for it to have that I think was really good. And the finish was the finish. You knew there wasn't going to be a kick out after that to the guardrail and the table and the chair. <laughs>
2: yeah, I think they set the tone well as well for, look, would we advertise a guerrilla warfare again next time? Like It's going to be a big, brutal war. So even though
0: Adam Pierce beat Joey Ryan... To become number one contender for the PWG world title. He was then stripped of his number one contendership for cheating. So he is in our next match wrestling Colt Cabana. And being accompanied to the ring by Mr. Der Pyle. Brandishing a sign that said lick my matzo balls. I assume you're happy with that Barry. Yeah I wanted
2: wanted some advancement of the comedy. I wanted to be a bit more sophisticated than just wear the blank women at. And lick my matzo balls. I mean it's... It's superb, I'm being honest. He also added a little creative flourish. <laughs> oh, yes. He added little Stars of Davis for the A's. There was layers to the comedy, so I apologise to Mr Vanderpile for implying He was uh, an unsophisticated comedian on the last show. A hack.
1: So, I see Edward Vanderpile. No oatmeal this time.
0: Sans oats.
1: I don't know if this is the end of oatmeal, but I will say this is not the end of oatmeal for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are more layers to the oatmeal and i think people are holding out on me more ingredients raisins <laughs> adam pierce has denied all knowledge of oatmeal when recently asked on twitter what's he hiding anyone out there if you have any more information for me
0: what do you think he could be hiding
1: why would he try and make it his brand for so long <laughs> then suddenly drop it and now has no knowledge of it whatsoever what's Wait. he
2: hiding from his corporate overlords
1: is it is there a hidden meaning to it is it problematic
2: is it sexual?
1: No. Okay, so camera guy was eating a banana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: where, there was readily available bananas at the show. People brought oh, bananas
0: for the gorillas?
3: That's lovely. A lovely sentiment. This crowd ain't so bad after all.
0: Vanderfile goes up to Johnny and he stops him and he gives him a notebook and he goes, now listen to a real announcer. And then Justin Roberts comes out and while he's announcing, Johnny Ian is in the corner taking notes.
3: Lift the roof off the place because everyone knew him. Yeah. I popped big for Justin Roberts, looking the exact same as he does now. Yeah.
0: yeah. How did this
2: come about?
1: I thought it was a Chicago thing.
0: Yeah, maybe. Chicago, Chicago, big yeah, boy.
3: This is how this is how like the real workers work. Real ring announcers coming from Chicago.
2: And maybe, yeah, maybe he was just in town with WWE and and he knew the Chicago boys were were there and. Excalibur exasperated that this was like around 4.30 in the morning, he he kept count and he said there was nine minutes between them coming out for the match and then all the hot-dogging and chatting and Justin Roberts and stalling with Adam Pearce before the actual match uh, got going and it was a fairly, fairly basic match I thought.
3: Their time of gave was 10 minutes and 45 seconds. They also go on to say that in years to come people will be watching back um, because a fan... Went with their homecoming date, and they're kind of making point of like, oh, like why would you bring a date to homecoming to this wrestling show? Like you're never gonna stay together. And then they're joking about how like in a few years, when their like son or daughter's going to homecoming, we are like, hey, look like dad, like what did you do for homecoming? Well, we went to uh, this uh, local indie show, PWG. Which is now a global pharmaceutical (laughs) company, but back in the day they used to run some wrestling on the side. So that's what we did for homecoming, and I'm like, how? I'm just sitting there. How is Excalibur making all these like stories and jokes in his head when he's giving out that it's like 4 a.m. But he's still able to just fabricate these ludicrous ideas.
0: The funny thing about the commentary is like he's so tired and he's so cranky. But he's also so frustrated with himself yeah. that he can't do it properly. Like he is obviously ultra professional and like it's getting to him. Even though most of the commentary is him being wildly unprofessional, he can't get his bits in or he can't get his jokes out and he's so wound up by himself. Whereas Disco is like at that delirious stage of tired where everything is funny to him <laughs> and you can tell he's really annoying Excalibur as well. This was an Adam Pierce match with lots of
3: elbows and just mock-ups and good old Memphis-style wrestling. I like
0: Colt as a wrestler, but he's also he's not the type of wrestler who will get an exciting match out of you either. So I think I think the two of them were sort of happy
2: to roll around for a bit and stick with the crowd. They'd have a lot more notable matches long after this, and not in PMPG. When uh, Excalibur
0: introduces uh, Adam Pearce, he makes mention of his um, valet. C Edward Vanderpile. C Edward Vanderpile Run. C Edward van der Pyle run into traffic. See Edward van der Pyle run into traffic and get hit by a car. See Edward van der Pyle run into traffic and get hit by a car, driven by a hobo, and die. <laughs> <laughs> so their base lasted nearly as long <laughs> as the first lock up.
3: I just love how they brought reference back to the hobo from the first match. Great storytelling by Excalibur. These
0: are comedy greats. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Adam Pierce also refers to himself as Scrap Dizzle Faux Shizzle. Make him the lamest person Ooh, in any
2: room. Oh dear.
0: Like he's just constantly jaw jacking and like it's
2: just oh. He so he even did the handshake fake out during his entrance where he went to give he put his hand out to a fan that he swooped it up by his head. Oh I don't think so you loser. You know it's just oh my god. Pierce wins with um, a
0: Van assisted roll up. So on the first show Smojo was meant to be in the main event against AJ but he had to pull out with injury so he is now making his debut and it was meant to be against Hardcore Kid but he is not there this evening so they had to get Joe a replacement the replacement they found making his
2: West Coast debut was one Charles Montgomery punk. <laughs> what a downgrade. We could have had Joe versus Hardcore Kid. I mean, that's going to have to go unseen uh, for another time. When punk came out, like that was a huge reaction.
1: He had lilac hair. Yeah. And that was, what, it's one of my favourite punk phases. Yes. Yeah. The, the lilac hair.
0: Much better than his dark purple face. Didn't like yeah. that as much. No.
1: And he smiles. He was and he seems genuinely happy. And it really brought me back to fuck punk was so special
0: it made me really sad it made me so sad no matter what
2: he does in mma he'll never be that guy again he'll never be that sort of happy again and even if he goes back to wrestling if he if he gets over everything which i don't think he ever necessarily will will. but if he did come it would never quite be the same i mean he was just ecstatic to be in this new place in front of 155 fans with samoa joe doing this you know this thing that he loved
3: like that's the thing, like him and Samoa Joe at this time were very, very good friends. Best friends, you could even say. So even for them to be able to be wrestling each other on this show for Punk's debut was probably something really, really nice.
0: Punk is never a guy that I really associated with P W G. Like I knew he was in it, but he's never one of the ones you think back to and go oh, remember his matches in P W G But I'd say it was a really at the time a really important and special thing for him to go out to the West Coast as well.
3: And to get that reaction from the crowd as well it was probably a big deal. Was making a name for himself and I the way Mid South and and coming into Ring of Honor and stuff.
0: So this was right towards the end of the Raven feud in Ring of Honor. So you would have had a good bit of buzz coming into this as well. The dog collar match and the K- Ravens rules match that mm-hmm. happened, and they'd had a few matches in TNA as well. Probably the hottest indie name going at that time.
2: Yeah, coming off that mean, he definitely would have been above Brian, which is funny because Brian reinvented. But yeah, no, it was a a great time for him to be coming into a a new place like this for sure. Excalibur talks about talking to Punk backstage, and that's always a relationship.
0: Like when I saw that Punk was on this card, that's something that stuck with me then. I was like, those two would either get on really well or Excalibur would think he's a dick. Yeah. And I wasn't sure which way it would be.
1: When they were talking about talking backstage. And Excalibur was saying, "He was a smart guy." <laughs> and Discover Machine, did he just start listing out facts?
2: And <laughs> <laughs> Excalibur goes, "No, that's my thing."
1: Yeah. But he was happy back then.
2: Yeah, it was a different. It was a different time. What I like about this, and this is true of of their later matches as well. It's very kind of what in that era was kind of considered prestige wrestling because it it started extremely slow and it was selling the arm ringer as much as you could for the first you know minute or so and really taking your time like that was respectable ring of honor style made of it obviously it was really just a taster of of what they'd go on to do but they were they were taking it that mega serious slow pace and it really worked for this crowd i think for sure as something a little bit different to all the wackiness
3: and the match itself I think was pretty not easy going but an easy watch.
0: My high point of this match was Joe hitting an absolutely sick backdrop driver. Incredible. It was really yeah. good. He has a great backdrop driver. He does. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Follows them.
3: My highlight was uh, the classic Samoa Joe spot with the chair in the outside and the holes. Mm-hmm. I was like he's been doing that for so long. Yeah.
0: I forgot about it. Yeah. 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 Until he sat him down at the Oh yes yeah. I haven't seen that in years you know, like Is How it... long has it
2: been he's, I don't think he's done it at all In WWE I don't think No uh, because when you go to The guard really go through it yeah, these days. yeah 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 You know even though the match Was not epic or anything He still came off great I mean he had He had the aura He had the kind of the roughness Like you knew he was Like a tough bastard It was It was, it was a great little uh, Sampler of both these lads I thought During the match Disco reveals A fun fact That
0: Excalibur wrestled Joe In his fourth ever match And Excalibur said he was absolutely terrified getting in the ring with him. (laughs) Like, Joe was fairly new as well, but he said the aura he had about him. Terrifying.
1: Like, I've heard that before, that people were scared going in the ring with Joe. I think he talks about it in his live journal. Throughout the years, that pussies wouldn't step in with him.
3: And speaking of live journals, we decided to dig into the archives, because I know when I was younger, I used to love reading rastlers in their live journals well before Twitter. And he got to know a bit more about them, so I have some excerpts here from our good friends Punk and Joe about their time in Southern California that weekend. CM Punk, November 15th, 2003, 11.51am, titled The Greatest Place on Earth. Samoa Joe's compound, the greatest place I've ever been to. So far, I've seen a parade of hula dancers, took a ride in a mechanical ball, and eat more food than most people eat in a week. How's the view from Sugar Heaven, bitch? <laughs> and then we have our good friend Samoa Joe, November 16, 2003. 10.10am. 10, 10 like two gorillas in the jungle making love. Did the PWG show last night. And had a really good time because I ended up wrestling Punko.
2: Punko? <laughs> he says
3: Punko. Afterwards we, t- we tore up Norms with Pierce, Gabbana and Amdrag who is a surdy chicken-stealing son of a bitch. Today, we're all headed off to the second happiest place on Earth. I'm sure Punk will get excitable and clothesline the fuck out of Goofy's guts. (laughs) Please don't think I'm above enneagram Chip or Dale either. (laughs) (laughs) So, Punk and Joe having a great time in California that weekend. That's
2: so cute. Simpler times. Oh my
0: God,
3: that's lovely. Don't worry, my friends. There's more of that coming from future shows.
2: (laughs) Hey, hey.
0: It wasn't one of their epics or a classic match. They didn't even bust out any of their their big moves. Like there was no, They teased the Pepsi Plunge, but Punk didn't hit it. There was no muscle buster. Joe tapped Punk out with an STF. I think people were a bit surprised by that. I thought that the, the audience thought they might have gone a bit longer. They showed respect, you know, their Ring of Honor roots. They shook hands and hugged. And Adam Pierce came out and teased that he was going to attack Punk, but instead they hugged. And he brought Punk to the back. A bit of foreshadowing for later, but at this point made very little sense as to why that happened.
1: Oatmeal for Punk. Yeah, you can have oatmeal. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. That's straight edge.
1: Yeah. Can we talk about your time with straight edge? We can. <laughs> we can. <laughs> um,
2: Go on, how many episodes have you waited to bring that up? Already? Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I just want to talk about one thing in particular. Go on. I'd like to talk about... Me in school. Yes!
0: <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> I've gone very red
1: Well we can preface with Straight edge isn't really a thing A known thing in Italy. Europe yeah. <laughs> in Europe. Yeah. But
0: particularly Ireland So it wouldn't be around this time I wish I was only 13 then It would have been a bit more understandable No I was a bit older I was, I was a bit 16, 17 uh, And I was majorly into indie wrestling And majorly into CM Punk and I guess I gleaned a lot of my uh, personality traits from Punk. <laughs> One of them was the fact that he was straight edge. So, you know, I also decided to be straight edge. <laughs> so.
1: <laughs> and how would you let people know that you're straight edge? Let me get into it. Right.
0: Oh, no. So it, in Ireland, in Ireland, um, usually after your your junior search, which is like an exam we all take when we're about 15. 15 16, yeah. Is when, you know, gals and guys usually have their first can to celebrate. Um, I was against this. I was against this because...
2: <laughs> Little narc.
0: Because I was straight edge and therefore better than them. Yes. Yep. But I needed a way to, to signify this so that they knew. So I went to school throughout fourth, fifth and sixth years. <laughs> and for the three following years with um, red X's on my hand. There's still a Pepsi logo drawn on the wall in my room. <laughs> Pepsi logo? I drank only Pepsi. Oh,
2: why? <laughs> At that oh.
0: time too. Like, <coughs> I have a CM Punk tattoo, actually. <laughs> like, to me, CM Punk was like the coolest guy going. And like, I think there's times where you could, I think recently we watched back the CM Punk Raven cage match in Ring of Honor and he just comes across as the coolest guy. Yeah. And I thought this was like like, this was my Steve Austin. I don't know, I tried to steal some of his charisma. I remember my MSN tagline used to be straight edge, so I'm better no. than you. <laughs> no, no!
3: I'm uh, not even
2: cringing. signing in and out so girls would talk to you. Yes. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, you, oh, sorry,
0: that would be pathetic, what, yeah. What you did was, you had to show them what music was playing, mm-hmm. and you'd see what they were playing, and you'd play that shit.
1: Wow. Good. Char-using.
0: That's another thing I took off CM Punk. I was like chick magnet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sure sounds like it. <laughs> That's a little peek behind the curtain at Young Ziggery. Young Ziggery also enjoyed Brian Danielson. Hey, who made an entire show challenging for the PWG title against the Time Splitter Frankie Kazarian.
3: love Brian coming out to self-esteem by The Offspring. I think a very underrated entrance team for, for American Dragon here. Coolest man alive. Frank Kazarian makes reference again. Michelle bought the coke from across the room, as ever says. Just by thinking, and because he's wearing a do rag, and of course, Frankie Kazarian can pull that off. He's no,
1: cool. <laughs> that no. Like yeah. I have to say, of all the things we've heard, of all the things people have said in PWG so far, Frankie Kazarian coming out in a do rag is the most offensive thing I've seen so far. Cancelled. It didn't make sense. <laughs> It,
0: oh, God. I... He's not balding, as, yeah, he's... as Disco pointed out.
1: Yeah, but yeah. he's not talking about how nice hair is. Yeah. <laughs> and it is. And that's not what a do-rag is for.
0: Oh, man. This match was really, really good. Mm-hmm. But it was it's a hard one to talk about because it was a Brian Danielson match. Yeah, And you know much. how a Brian Danielson match goes.
3: I think one of the, the key things here is, so, Brian's, what, 22, 23 at this time? And even back then, and he got the crowd to turn on him, so he became the heel in this match. And he could just see little glimmers coming through. Not many people could do that, but he could. And he did it so well. And he did it without changing who he is. Any character that Brian Danielson's ever done in his career, it's always been true to him. It's not something that's completely outlandish or outrageous. It always kind of stems back to the American Dragon.
0: He's a bit like Bret Hart in that regards, where he buys into and 100% believes his character. Like, at all times, he is... Daniel Bryan Bryan Danielson
2: yeah and and, and it's one of those things that stands out about his his indie body of work particularly like this match it is great that he's not he is the heel of the match but he's not like a big villain like he's not acting like Adam Pearce you know character wise and it's one thing you do kind of miss today I mean obviously he's still doing great work these days and and his his stuff in WWE he's just had an incredible match you know uh, very recently but the american dragon in the character was just so nuanced and really fun to watch um and and it was just felt like it was unique every single time you saw him depending on what the opponent and the audience kind of required of him in my opinion he is the greatest wrestler of all time because any venue any opponent
0: any night like he will have a great match Mm -hmm. no matter who it is he will adapt to it like i've never seen any other wrestler have the versatility he has. Like There might be better big match wrestlers or better tag wrestlers, but there's no one that has that much of a complete package as he does. Like He can do any style as well. Excalibur's
1: commentary in this match, he was just in awe. He was watching Brian Danielson and he was just, he was blown away. And you could tell, um, which I think added to it completely. Because sometimes their commentary can take away from the match. Sometimes it adds it. A- comedic element but I think this it was, it was kind of special
3: definitely like you and our disco talking about towards the end of this match is like "Ryan Dennison has to win Ryan Nelson has to win he's like the <sighs> most amazing wrestler I've ever seen in my life it's kind of cool just seeing that like and that was when he was a baby he was baby dragon then
0: like, it's funny that he doesn't get talked about in like that sort of Jonakiyama Akiyama Kurt mm-hmm. Angle yeah. rousey I guess yeah. now type of spheres but like he was exceptional so early on
2: Clean shaven, plain haircut, blue tights, Brian dance This is before a lot of the stuff he's really renowned for and he's still the man in this match. There's there's so many like little basic things you wouldn't associate with a PWG main event, but they got over. Like, Brian's just working over the arm and he's working over the arm and he's working over the arm. And at one point, Kaz does this spot that feels like it's a throwback from, like, 20 years beforehand where Brian goes for a backdrop and Kaz floats over and turns it into, like, a cross body into a pin. And it's not flashy. It's just so very, like, functional counter because he's fighting from the bottom and it just gets a reaction. And, guy, it's just, it's just really, really fantastic.
3: I think... This match really solidified that I think this is the best show we've seen from top to bottom. I know we had some rocky moments at the start but I think from you know, X Foundation against Team G's onwards.
0: You got that sense as well on commentary that like Excalibur was very proud of the show. And that's another reason he was frustrated with himself for recording the commentary
1: He does say now it's five AM. So it's five AM. Yeah, at this
2: stage, yeah. Oh, right on the finish, he says, "There's some stuff coming, but we have to go."
0: (laughs) But like, he was frustrated with himself for not being on his game because, like, he thought the show deserved better commentary. Um, And it still was a really good show. Like, the commentary did not take away from us at any point.
3: They're really hitting their stride.
0: Kaz puts uh, American Dragon away with the flux capacitor at about twenty-three minutes. I think it was. I wouldn't say the best match of the show I still think Guerrilla Warfare Guerrilla Warfare for sure was yeah. the best but it was Brian Danielson's show like of all his sort of star making performances I think this was the the least of Kaz's mm. I think he got outshone here
2: Oh, big time yeah. yeah
1: there was a nice little moment though because after you know Danielson had spent the whole match trying to be the heel when he walks out he just turns around and gives a little salute to Kazarian still in the ring and I thought that was like that was really nice
0: he cuts a promo at the end of the show Poor Kaz gets this um, Thrown at him a lot Danielson goes You're the better man tonight Yeah. But you're not the better man <laughs> He's yeah. the third guy to say it about him And he uh, cuts like the most 1940s promo You beat me, you're a tough guy So I tip my cap to you And he like <laughs> physically tipped a cap that wasn't a hair to him But I'll be getting you next time <laughs> I want to attack you from behind like no Adam Pearce I'm not like that, I'll take you on one on one by golly. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so that match is all said and done, and then our crap uh, daddy Adam Pierce comes out with his, with his Motley crew. Obviously, Adam Pierce is coming in, you know, establishing that no, he should now be, you know, next in line for Frankie's belt. And then it's like a frenzy.
0: Pierce attacks Kaz, Kabama comes out to make the save. But that's a swerve yeah they really don't but they
2: don't milk the fact that it's a swerve he just kind of joins in the crowd are actually shouting heel turn yeah. heel <laughs> turn
3: so then dragon and joey ryan start brawling from somewhere and then cm punk comes out and i was like oh after you know adam pierce kind of came out and shook punk's hand and gave him a hug after he lost to joe so it's like oh my god gonna join his you know his chicago brethren but no, Punk being good old baby facey and Punk, you know, rises against and he's with uh, Joey and, and Kaz and Cuts a promo Pierce. at Pierce and see Edward Vanderpile after the show. Yeah,
0: because yeah, um, Vanderpile has stolen his belt, yeah. his belt that he owns, so he was taking it home for the night. Yeah,
3: Lots of fat jokes. So um, bad. So many fat jokes. I'm like, oh my god. This whole setup is kind of, I think it's really cheesy but really good because they're setting up for their next show and you know that Punk's coming back. Cool, Punk's here to stay.
1: And Punk's good and Cabana's bad. It was weird. weird. Like, it's a very weird trio they now have.
3: So I find it really funny that this is very, very early on in their careers. But Adam Pierce, known for ribs with his new stablemate, Colt Cabana. So, very early on in Colt Cabana's career. Pierce thought it was a really good idea with him and a bunch of other people, Ace Deal was involved. They were going to put tissue in Cochabana's jacket pocket. They're like wiped ass on the tissue. So they go around in a circle and everyone wipes their ass and it's like ass wet. So everyone's going around wiping their ass and it's like a bit of ass sweat. like nothing comes up. Everyone's looking at it. And it's like, okay, hee hee, really funny. So it gets to uh, Adam Pierce Adam Pierce wipes his ass with the tissue, and it's just shit. And everyone's standing <laughs> around like Pierce. Do not actually wipe your ass and you have a shit. and he thinks And Adam Pierce is losing his mind laughing because he thinks it's the funniest thing in the world. Like a band is gonna put his hand in his pocket and touch his shitty little <laughs> tissue from his ass. And this story is told in. Punk and Joe shoot interview. There's an interview done with Cabana after this show, which obviously Pierce gets involved in because Pierce, you know, loves the attention. And they make reference to the shit. They make reference to the, the shitty... He's like, did you tell about that river that I've on you once? And Cabana's like, yeah, the shitty, like, tissue.
0: <laughs> Thank you for regaling us with that, Sarah.
2: Just on the post-match, I, I do think that, like the match itself, Kaz kind of got shown up. Punk was not exactly hilarious with his fat jokes, but Kaz was dying terribly every time he took the mic. And then you had the belt thing where Punk didn't even know Kaz was the champion. It was just so kind of embarrassing. He did not come off like the uh, the megastar babyface champion, unfortunately. Especially since Punk was the one issuing all the challenges and making the, the six man for the next show.
3: What about Joey Ryan? Joey Ryan did
2: nothing. Nothing. He got beaten up <laughs> by Super Jack again
1: <laughs> and this is where Disco comes running out in his full matching tracksuit on his mask
3: <laughs> this is why I think if we went back and if I was booking early days PWG it would not be Joey Ryan as the solo wrestler it would be Scott Lost
0: I don't know I, I think it's worked up to now I like, I like no. Ryan yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I thought overall this was, this was a great show getting better each time. Rapidly
2: improving, big time,
3: yeah. I love kind of just seeing the early days of people's careers and being able to do this and go back and kind of see Punk not in Ring of Honor and being somewhere else and kind of being a slightly different character and and being kind of like a chirpy baby face like he was here and not telling people that he's better than them because he's straight edge all the time. It's kind of nice. Any
0: thoughts on the show from either of you?
2: Looking forward to the next guerrilla warfare match because this one, first one, set the tone nicely and it stole the show. Emma's obviously not here; she left <laughs> three or four matches ago.
0: So I think we'll join her. Um, we'll be back next month for pimping in high places. If you want to follow our Twitter, it's at Guerrilla Island. You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Spotify. And our individual Twitters are at Zig on the Rocks. At Sarah Flan. At Barry Led.
1: As O underscore G.
0: If you'd like to drop us an email or anything like that, if you have any oatmeal information <laughs> you want to give in private, say, I don't know, um, it's Island at gmail.com. And that about wraps it up. So we'll see you next month.
3: No
0: more oatmeal for you. Bye! Bye bye!